This is the place where we talk about preparing for and navigating adulthood, a space for autistic individuals, families, professionals, and other community stakeholders to get information and resources when it comes to this particular area. We talk about employment, education, high school, college, independence, all of those areas, and connect you to people and organizations that are doing work in this community, as well as share some resources that we've created here at Autism Grown Up. I'm your host, Dr. Tara Regan, and I'm also the executive director of Autism Grown Up. You can check us out at autismgrownup.com and continue listening to this episode. I'm very excited to say that it is April 2nd when we are releasing this episode, World Autism Awareness and Acceptance Day, or World Autism Day for short, and I'm very excited about this month. I know there are a lot of local community events and different things that I've had to get rescheduled, and it is a tough and challenging time for many, so I want to make sure that our Autism Grown-Up community is a space that you all can come to and celebrate the month with us. This is an exclusive community that is all-inclusive when it comes to talking about autism, growing up, and adulthood. And this month, we are, every single day, we have a new engaging post to see what everyone's doing for this month and to continue to spread the word about autism awareness, acceptance, and so much more. And now on to this week's episode. Friends can be a challenge to begin with and navigate for so many teens and young adults on the autism spectrum. Uh, Research shows that over 61% of teens experience bullying and social isolation of some form, which leads to increased mental health challenges such as depression and suicidal thoughts. As a result, though, as many families, professionals, and self-advocates realize there's an increased need for creating spaces, safe spaces, for things like social clubs or meetups in their area. I do want to note that this is a time-sensitive issue, especially as we are releasing this episode in the first week of April in 2020, and we're not quite able to do that right now, but we hope the opportunities to have social experiences again in our communities will become an option sometime soon. Our guests this week are from a nonprofit organization called Erin's Hope for Friends, which is on a mission to create lasting relationships through joyful interactions with teens and young adults on the autism spectrum. It was founded by the Horst family and their daughter's loving memory. Erin was a teen with Asperger's who faced many challenges and decided to take her own life at the age of 17. And they started the first clubhouse in response after gaining a lot of funding and support in their local community. They started this in Georgia and have since opened a couple more clubhouses and are working to expand their base into Lexington, Kentucky. They have a teen program and are currently building out their young adult program called Ease Essentials to focus on the intersection of life skills through their social programming. The mission of this organization is incredible and has a staff to match. They are so passionate about meeting the needs of their participants as they grow up and navigate their teen years with each other, and most importantly, that they're not alone. I am so excited for our guests to share more about their programming, connections within the community, and their advice to get started in your community. Uh, Welcome to the Autism Grown-Up Podcast. Joining me today are some folks from Erin's Hope for Friends. We have Nicole Burroughs, who's the executive director. We have Becky Matthews, who's the program coordinator, and Melissa Hines, who's a program assistant. Welcome all of y'all to the, the podcast. 
Thank you so much for having us today. So excited. Um, can you tell me a little about you? I guess we could kind of go down the line, however you prefer, all of y'all, and uh, your work in the autism community with Aaron's Hope for Friends. Sure. So um, as the executive director, I came into this line of work in a winding pathway. I was a, a music major and ended up uh, teaching, teaching um, band and orchestra, and then I uh, worked for a while in the nonprofit field, went back to school after I had my son and did my second master's degree. And through that long winding road, I ended up uh, at, at Aaron's Hope for Friends. And it's been an incredible journey. I've been with them for over a year now. And my job is primarily to focus on uh, you know, improving everything we offer to to the community, and you know, we'll talk more about our mission as as we move forward. But you know, that's that's my goal is big picture. Awesome. Yeah, I started on Becky, and I started at um, as a mom. My son is high function has high functioning autism. He when the organization started, we heard about it through a friend who um, was on the board and we would take him to the club. And as they expanded and moved closer to our home, there was an opportunity for a job. And I started as a program assistant and have moved up to program director. And my heart is in this because I'm a mom. My son um, is still involved in the club. He is in our young adult program now. He is in college, has a job, that kind of stuff. So um, my goal is with the young adults, especially is to, in working with life skills. Now with our teens, it's more of social. Yeah. My goal with that is to teach them more. So how to be social with each other, how to navigate those friendships that they may not have ever had, especially in school and to learn how to be, just be a good friend, be caring and kind and that kind of stuff. That's what really what we, what we promote is be kind. Awesome. Yeah. So I actually, it's pretty crazy. I knew Becky and Nicole before this, but actually going into Aaron's Hope for Friends, I had no idea that they were part of it. I found this place through my friend who was going to do volunteering at Aaron's Hope for Friends uh, through school at KSU. And I am majoring in psychology and want to be an ABA therapist. So it really interested me. And now since I'm a program assistant, I deal directly with the kids and hang out with them and talk to them and get to know them and help them to do what Becky said she's trying to help them with also. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you all for introducing yourselves, giving us some great background too. I already have lots of questions. Can you <laughs> tell me a, a good bit about the mission of Aaron's Hope for Friends and what programming looks like? Absolutely. So our mission is to create lasting relationships through joyful interactions for high-functioning autism spectrum teens and young adults. And that's just a big fancy way of saying we bring uh, kids on the spectrum together and give them a safe place to be themselves, to gather on the weekends. It's a social environment. We're not behavioral skills therapy, but there are some indirect results, obviously, from what we do. But our goal is to come in and, and let them understand how to make friends. And those friendships, what we're seeing is those are expanding beyond our programs, beyond what we're doing in the clubs, that they're actually you know, doing things on their own, which is incredible. That's what we want. Our programs are comprised of a uh, young adult program, 
which is the newer of, of the two. Um, and I'll, I'll let Becky tell you a little bit about those programs. But we also have a teen program. Uh, we started in 2014 at, as the result uh, of losing Aaron. Erin uh, was Stacy and Darren Horst's daughter, and she uh, was what was formerly called Asperger's. We now, there are new terms now, high-functioning autism spectrum, and then there's the, the whole other scale that, that we're using to, to measure. But basically, what ha- happens is, you know, you, you have neurotypi- neurotypical kids, you know, interacting with neuroatypical kids. And, and we see that our, our, our kids with autism sometimes can be quirky and, and struggle in social situations. And what happened with Aaron was it just got to be too much and there was bullying. And, um, and we know in today's time that, that you don't just leave that at school. It goes with you, with the internet, with technology. And Aaron made the decision to take her own life. And in doing so, she left her parents in a lot of pain, but they said that her life was not going to be in vain and they wanted to carry on her legacy. And thus we started Aaron's Hope for Friends and we have clubs that we call Ease Club. Mm-hmm. And that's where our members gather on the weekends. And, you know, it, we want to carry that light on for her. And Darren and Stacy always said, if Aaron had had one friend, that would have made all the difference. You know, so we are very big on kindness, compassion, acceptance, inclusion. Um, so I'll let Becky tell you some specifics about the program. Um, but that's, you know, the, the general background. Thank you. I'm going to start with our teens. Our teen program is for children ages 12 through seniors in high school and they come into our club which is it's just big open spaces that have games and activities that are meant to be two player so that there is always a connective element to what we do where it's ping pong or foosball or video games everything is meant to foster those relationships with our teens we start with middle schoolers. We have we start at age 12, and we see with the middle schoolers that they want to play more games, like video games and that kind of stuff. But as they grow, you see the interaction. They want more social interaction with others. So we, and sometimes middle schoolers don't quite understand how to do that. So that's where we come in with our volunteers and um, our staff is there to help them if there's a miscommunication or if there is somebody says something that they don't quite understand because with autistic kids, the social growth is not sometimes there at their age. So um, they can actually immature. So as we move up to our young adults, once they graduate high school, then they move up right up into our young adult program, which is ages 18 or graduated from high school and up to age 24. Now it's in the same club, but we see with them, they want to play more multiplayer games. They want to sit around and talk about life act, life things that are happening. We have some that are in college. We have some that have jobs. We have some that are trying to navigate not being in school, not having friends, not really, you know, being able to, um, they're at home most of the time and, and dealing with those kind of issues that come up with that and how to be an independent person. 
So it becomes more life skills in the young adults. And so with that program, we decided to break off and start Ease Essentials, which is we're starting that this month. And that's something that Melissa is going to be working on with the young adults, where it is more specifically life skill based things like how to like write a grocery list, how to fill out a job application, how to do an interview, how to take care of your money, um, that kind of stuff. That's some things that get lost in once you graduate from high school and sometimes parents don't even really know how to go about teaching their kids that we're going to try and be the stopgap. Yeah. And that the neat thing about that is that it's uh, done in a, in a social situation. So again, unlike other, other programs, our our focus is being social, interacting, Mm -hmm. having friendships. So this ease essentials program was actually funded by Fulton County um, here in Atlanta and they gave us a very large grant to help start that. So we we do things that also uh, direct, you know, their energy. So we, we took them to a Braves game. We took them out to eat and and see what they're learning in that in that time is, you know, oh, making sure that I have enough money to leave a tip or making sure that I understand that I have to hold on to my ticket and remember where I go sit. So everything is always presented in a social environment, but we're still, um, we're relying on experts to provide, you know, that experience, but we are the experts in, in, in dealing with um, our members and, and cre- keeping it social. Melissa, I don't know if you feel like that kind of covers, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's just the general things that if they want to end up living on their own, going off to college, any of those things, it's, it's something, it's them learning these tasks that are just everyday, everyday things for us, but maybe a little bit harder for them to understand. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, I love that. It is like such a unique aspect, though, to incorporate um, life skills within the existing framework that you all have focusing on social interactions and experiences and having the knowledge that and however often they meet to know that like they can go back to this group or work on these things with the group so they don't feel as isolated like they can um, like I've talked to so many adults on the spectrum that just feel so alone with the ish- the life skills that they don't have at home. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. a, a big issue. And the young adults, we really started the young adult program from the idea that they're adults. They yeah. decide how their group works. We have two separate locations. We have one in Ackworth and we have one in Alpharetta. And they each decide, each individual group decides what they do every week. And so because they're adults, they get to make yeah. those decisions. Now they come together once a month and do an outing. So we, like Nicole said, we've gone to the Braves game. We've taken them out to dinner to like do that kind of stuff where they know, hey, you have to leave a tip. You have to, how do you order off a menu? You know, being loud enough that the waiter can hear you kind of thing. Those are the kind of things that we cover. But it's also trying to be fun. Yeah, you know, and we want them. We want them to guide. If we're making all the decisions, it's not fun for the kids. Yeah, we definitely try to give them a sense of ownership, and you know, we're in the in the process of developing. We have a, a junior board. We have ambassadors. 
so we try to empower them as well and you know those are programs that are that are developing i mean we started out with just one location in alpharetta for teens mm -hmm. you know and and we have since added a second location in ackworth um, we added a young adult program, and then um, we're working on um, a chapter in Lexington, Kentucky um, at the moment that's up, up and running. So, it, you know, it, it, it's growing, and there's really nothing else like our program that we are aware of um, in the country. And, you know, it wasn't just willy-nilly thought of. Um, we have a mental health advisory board. So everything from the colors of the walls, you know, to the activities that we do, we were we consulted and that's that's what determined what we do um that gives us consistency across the board and and helps to ensure that we're doing things the right way and as we know you know every every child every young adult with with autism they're all different and they all present differently uh, so having that advisory board is also extremely helpful to us so have you what are some like major things that all of you um, have learned along the way as you've spent time at Aaron's Hope for Friends? Well, for me personally, I mean, I was a school teacher for a while and, yeah. you know, I, I taught music and, and, you know, that's an in inclusion-based uh, environment. But what I see so often is like volunteers come in and they think they're nervous and they're like, oh, I, I don't know about this. I, I'm not sure. And you go in and it's the most amazing and fun volunteer experience of your life. And you realize kids are kids, they're kids, you know, and they might be quirky and they might tell you that they don't like the color of your shirt and that, you know, what kind of iPhone do you have? Oh, that's not a good one. Um, but, you know, they, they want to interact and there's this misconception about um, emotion and connectedness. And I think that 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 was my biggest learning in our programming so for me personally that you know that's what i feel now becky as a mom you know i don't know her experience is probably very different than than mine but for me that that was what it was becky i don't know what you think well i being a mom i've always obviously seen the value in every child i have mm -hmm. an autistic son and i have a neurotypical well she's <laughs> she's i mean every kid is different. I say she's neurotypical, but she's just not diagnosed with anything, you know, that kind of thing. So a label is a label. It doesn't mean, it doesn't define who you are. It doesn't define what you can do. It doesn't define your value and your worthiness as a person. So that's really what I, I try to bring that to the, like that inclusion of everybody into our club it, that you are loved. You are wanted here. You can make friends even when they don't think that they can. And we have kids who come in who don't talk for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then all of a sudden they turn around and they tell you their whole life story. And it's like, who is this child? You yeah, know? Where did they but come it's from? Just, it's just a patience thing. You know, they just, they've been, a lot of kids have been <clears throat> so beat down that my thing is that it's, it's a patience thing. You want to get to know them so bad. You want them to know this, but sometimes it's just, you just have to let them come to it in their own yeah so for me my thing i've learned is just be patient with them and to continue even when they say they don't like you and that you're doing something that they don't like that it's not personal it's yeah. it's they're it's just they're um navigating them. yeah they're navigating <laughs> i always tell and i tell my volunteers everything our kids say what they think when they think it without thinking 
because that's true. It comes out without them, the second it hits their brain without them even thinking about it. And learning, teaching them that, that, hey, you can say that, but that's also going to hurt somebody probably um, is a valuable skill that I think a lot of our kids learn too. So not having a very thick skin is probably another thing yeah, <laughs> for me yeah. to learn because I love all of my kids, but then sometimes they say something and it's like, Ooh, that really, Oh, that stung. So, um, that's one thing I think I've learned too. Melissa, what do you think? Yeah. So a lot of what Becky said, I definitely learned since I've been here. Um, another thing for me is just, I've learned to understand them more mm-hmm. because you know, in the beginning, when I first started coming, I met one of the kid, one of the kids that was there, and I, I was talking to him while he was coloring, like, the whole time, yeah. and he talked to me a little bit, and he told me a little bit about himself, but then I didn't even know that he didn't really very much enjoy me talking to him that much, <laughs> so the second time I came in, when I walked up to him, and I was like, oh, hey, you know, he, he looked at me and was like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I was like, we're going to have some boundaries. And, and eventually, like, just from experiences with them and talking to them and, and honestly observing them, you can kind of more understand what's comfortable for them. And um, just um, on Saturday, actually, the same kid came back to East Club to see Uh, to see me and he ended up giving me a hug at the end of the night and so it was like super rewarding for me to know that I've done all this work to understand this child who otherwise you know seemed like he didn't like me but you know putting in the work of understanding them is so worth it because these kids are literally the nicest people you'd ever meet in your life and they're presence is just amazing. Sounds like such a great environment to get to know them and understand what helps make them feel comfortable and that a safe space for them too. And that makes a world of a difference. It's really neat. Um, you know, we couldn't function our programs uh, without without volunteers. We For every um, four members, we have one volunteer who is present. And, you know, that's really important and we have uh the national charity league and um, the young men's Men's service league and so it's a parent child team that will come in and volunteer and our kids love that because then they're interacting with people their own age Mm -hmm. uh and and that has really you know it's spurred some friendships outside of the club and you hear all the time exactly what I said um, from, from our younger volunteers is this is nothing like what I expected. And this is, this is awesome. And, you know, we, we keep things in control in the sense that we have a code of conduct that they have to sign and agree to, but basically they're free to be themselves. So this isn't a place where they come and we tell them, you know, no, you can't sit there and no, you can't touch that. and No, you can't color that picture as long as they adhere to the basic guidelines, they get to be themselves. And that gives them some freedom from every everyday life where everyone is always telling them what to do. And then I'm just curious. So what does the, uh, is there a volunteer training program that y'all have? Um, so, well, because our vo- most of our volunteers, 
volunteers come from um, an established organization. They do basic, you know, volunteer training. We background check everybody. But when they come in to us, um, it's it's Becky goes through a, a whole spiel with them, and they have um, it's very basic. But we have two staff members who are on site. Um, and there's clear directives um, about what to do and what not to do. But essentially, the, the main instruction is go in and have fun and just, you know, talk to everybody and, and read the situation. Um, but I'll let Becky talk more about the volunteer, quote unquote, training that we do. When the volunteer comes in and they're new, I, I have a list of things that I tell them. I explain to them how the night is going to go. I explain to them... Um, that's their club. That's my kids' club. You're coming into their space. Yeah. You know, they have the kids have a code of conduct that they have to follow. We have strict no bullying policies. We expect you to follow the same thing, which is not difficult because most of these people are most of them are volunteers, are already volunteered somewhere else, mm -hmm. um, and understand that. But it's really coming in and and just if you see somebody sitting alone, mm -hmm. go up and talk to them. They, they may say, yeah, I want to talk to you, or may I want to play a game, and they might say no. That's their decision, and we respect that, and so we move away. It's, it's really just telling the volunteers that come in, have fun, yes, but also remember this is these kids' space. This is their safe space, so we're going to make sure that they're having a good time, too. We don't force any fun. We don't force the kids to do things that they don't want to do. There's always an activity every week. And um, I encourage the volunteers to get involved too, because sometimes when the kids don't want, sometimes we do a crafty thing and the kids are like, I don't know, but if I get my volunteer involved and the kids can see what, what's, what we're making, mm -hmm. they come on and get involved too. Volunteer training is just very, it's very basic because what we do is just social. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, Come in and have fun. That's come in, really yeah, come, come in, in and have, have fun. But also remember that that is the members, the East Club members space. Yes. Um, and eyes and ears, you yeah. know, always, we always have our volunteers, you know, if there's two kids sitting there on the couch having a great conversation, you know, you walk by and, it, and it's, it's a happy, healthy conversation. We love that. Um, mm -hmm. But if they hear something that is concerning, they, you know, they know that they come immediately to a staff member and we will help with that situation. And also our parents are very aware uh, like when our kids come. So we have a drop-in process. And once they go through that, then they can attend the club for the first time. And we don't, we don't say to parents on that first visit, like, okay, drop them off and peace out. <laughs> you know, they have to stay um, because it can be overwhelming to walk in and have a three hour social experience all of a sudden with a structured activity that you don't have to do, but you could do. And um, with the parents right and there. It gets, and it gets loud in the club. It's so it's sensory stimulating in a lot of ways, visually, hearing why. It's so and I tell most parents that your kid will not stay the first night the whole time. Yeah. Um, because it just, it's, it's a lot. And it's just mentally, physically tiring for yeah. the kids the first time. Now, after our kids have been there a while, they know what to expect. They're like, yeah, let me go. I'll see you mom and dad at 10. It's seven on the nose that they get dropped off. At 10. <laughs> Don't show up before 10, mom and dad. Well, <laughs> and it, you know, we ask our kids, um, they turn in their cell phones. When they um, get to the door and they sign in, they, they turn in their cell phones. We collect them. 
And that's number one to encourage socialization and stop them from, you know, isolating themselves and sitting in a corner on their phone. But, you know, also it, it, um, the phone is there. If they need to call mom and dad, they can, but you know, this experience is also a respite for our parents. Our parents can go up the street. Both of our clubs are located um, near uh, <laughs> restaurants, you know, so they can go have a date and know that they're, they're close by, their child is in good hands. And, um, you know, they know that if there is an issue, they'll be contacted. So that respite part, you know, it's not stated in our mission, but it, it is part of what we do. And I think wow. it's really important. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing about that piece too with parents. And are there any uh, common resources or tools you've turned to or would recommend others to use? Yeah, I, I mean, I think in general for us, I think the, the number one thing is relying on, on volunteers and community engagement. I think that's really the biggest thing that we have learned is that in this particular field, utilizing those resources is extremely helpful. We also, you know, we recruit from, um, you know, area schools. And so working with those um, departments at the schools and the school system and going to the, you know, the the vendor fairs, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, and getting the word out there. There's so many parents who don't know that this exists. So I think just harnessing that a lot and then our, we can then bring our kids out into the community, you know, and, and they feel, you know, that they're a part of the community um, beyond just the doors of our clubs. So great. I think the volunteers being there is also, it's great in the extent of our club, but it also really, it makes autism more normal. I mean, they're in school all the time. These kids, these volunteers who come in and some of the kids at our club, you know, some of them are homeschooled, but some of them go to public school. And I think it's so important to have volunteers come in that are around their age because we hear about bullying all the time. And just having, you know, autism normalized Mm -hmm. in our society, I think is so important because it is. It's normal. There's yes. so many kids who have autism, so many adults who have autism. And, you know, that's why they get worried when they first come in because they're like, oh, I don't know if I've necessarily seen this before. But yeah. some kids who have autism, you can't even you can't mm-hmm. even tell that there's a difference from you and I, you know. Yeah. So I think it's really important to have younger kids and kids their age come in and and, you know, hang out with them and realize that they're fantastic people who are no different. We um, are trying to use some kind of, for the Ease Essentials program, we've been trying to use some local resources like um, our, um, what is the safety? Oh, like the Cobb Safety Village and um, Friendship Ranch. So yeah, that's a really good point, Melissa. Um, So those, we work with groups that are already in existence. So they provide their expertise. So I'll use Friendship Ranch as an example. Um, Debbie Braun operates Friendship Ranch, and it's exactly what you would think. It's a farm. There's um, horses and goats and dogs and pigs and all of the things like that. And she has these great activities that are structured. And um, so we partnered with her, and we brought in um, our young adults on one occasion, and we brought in our teens on, on a different occasion. And she is teaching them a sense of responsibility and ownership and giving it to them in this social environment. And we didn't have to go reinvent the wheel. 
we bring our kids to that um, scenario and she does what she does best. And actually one of my favorite stories is that one of our um, members actually, as a result of going to Friendship Ranch, walked away with a part-time job um, at another horse farm up the street because she was in love with what she did while she was at the ranch. So I think Melissa's point is um, that that using those resources that already exist, we don't have to sit here and reinvent the wheel. The Cobb Safety Village, they're going to do a, a safety presentation using the police department that the safety village is already designed. It's, uh, you know, about fire safety and personal safety. We don't have to write the curriculum on that. We go to them and they provide it and we just provide the fun environment. And I think that that's um, absolutely critical to our success. I mean, that's so key for any autism organization out there who's trying to do some work in think about what are the existing resources in your community so you don't have to do it all. But also importantly, it does have a ripple effect in that way. Shifting towards our last couple of questions, I always love to ask, first of all, what are you all excited about and looking forward to in the coming months? For me, that's easy. We we know that we are going to be expanding our program to um, older young adults. So we're going to look at that age 25 to 30 or 32. Uh, we're in the process of researching what the, the best steps for us will be, work with an advisory board. But to be able to offer that, we get requests all the time. And obviously, you know, we can't do it all. Um, we want to do what we do well. But we feel that we can provide those services. So that is coming down the pipeline, and we're excited to pilot that program. Um, and then also we'll, we're expanding uh, with Lexington right now. They're in the fundraising process to raise capital to uh, build their facility. And I, I think to, to see that progress and to become a national office is a very exciting move for us. And watching our staff grow, too. We've had a lot of hires here in the last few months. And to be able to, to do that, I think, is um, it says that, that we're healthy uh, that that we're doing the right things, we're we're taking the right pathway, and being thoughtful about every step that that we take. I don't know, did I cover it all, Becky? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it. it, it uh, my thing is getting this this ease essentials. Being a mom of a young adult who is get, he's finishing up college here in the next year and a half or so, and um, just figuring out. I think he'll be okay living on his own, but also making sure that he has all the skills. I mean, that's as a mom, I mean, I'm not catering the program to my child, but that's something that I think all of our young adults are concerned about and stuff. So starting that program where we really start teaching and helping help them navigate this, this independence process that they're starting to get involved. They want to be independent. They want to be able to do things on their own. Um, and making them feel empowered in that is where I, I, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And then for our final question, how can people listening to this episode get in touch with you or um, broadly Aaron's Hope for Friends in whatever location? Awesome. Well, first of all, you can go to our website. Um, it's www.aaronshopeforfriends.org, and Aaron is spelled with an E. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can remember that because of our E's clubs. Um, you can also email us at info at Um You can email me personally, Nicole B. 
B and I C O L E B at Aaron's Hope for Friends.org. Uh, but info gets to all of us, so we love that. We do have a voicemail as well, but I'm telling you, email is so much easier for us to, to get to. We are always in need of donations, um, general operating support, volunteers. and volunteers. So, it, you know, if any of your listeners feel like they have a resource or if, you know, they know of a company that they work for that was, is interested in sponsorship, we do an annual gala in August. So that'll be coming up as well. So they can reach out. Um, we're, we're a small team, but we, we, we're very good about getting back back to people and we love to hear from people we get the funniest emails about the strangest things you know but um you never know you you could always use a piano and we've taken a piano (laughs) well that's awesome thank you all for being on the podcast today it was so great talking with you oh thank Thank you so much all right thanks again to nicole becky and melissa for joining us for today's episode we recorded this a few weeks ago and they do have some updates for me to share with you they said that they are currently operating virtual clubs at no cost with the help of zoom and other platforms which is such a great alternative but still social distancing or physical distancing is very hard for a social club just like this one They said that we can definitely use some funders to help us continue to provide our services. So if you can support them with a donation, that would be fantastic. And or you can help spread the word about their amazing work and keep up with what they're doing at erinshopeforfriends.org. And again, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the AGU podcast. I'm so thankful to be in your earbuds today. And until next time, We're taking it one step at a time, and let's begin with adulthood in mind.